Well, let's give our attention now to John chapter 18. So turn with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 18. There are some who say that Jesus was taken in defeat and crucified. Uh, The human mind looks at the crucifixion of Christ and sees defeat. Even in the minds of the disciples, they saw yielding and crucifixion as defeat. But Jesus did not see it that way. Jesus had the perspective that the Father had. He looked to the cross and knew that it would be victory. And I want to give our attention tonight to how Jesus voluntarily went to the suffering that he knew he would face, voluntarily going to the cross for sinners. And we can praise God for that, but I think it helps us to to look at that and pay attention to that wonderful and powerful truth that Jesus willingly became a sacrifice for sinners. First, let's look at the text that we looked at this morning. It's in John 18 and verses 1 through 11. Follow along as I read from the English Standard Version, where it says in John 18, 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, remember he prayed in chapter 17, his high priestly prayer, the, the majority of that prayer for his disciples and those who who would become his disciples, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. And so he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. And verse 9 says, This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So let's consider how Jesus willingly voluntarily faced suffering that he knew was coming. He knew he was facing this, and voluntarily he went to the cross where he knew he would be crucified. Now, yes, there are some who say that Jesus was taken in defeat and crucified. But that is not how Jesus saw it. That is not how the Father planned it. In fact, what's happening is a part of the Father's plan. 
And Jesus fully understood what was ahead for him, and he knew what he would suffer. And he willingly faced it and willingly yielded to the Father's plan, which meant yielding to his captors. And you see it in this moment shown us in this passage. We see in verse 4 that clearly Jesus was not surprised by what was happening to him. In fact, he knew all, all that would happen to him. Verse 4, then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him. <laughs> it doesn't get any clearer to, than that. Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him. He stepped forward. He came forward and he said to them, whom do you seek? And knowing fully what was waiting for him, as he asks them who they're looking for, and when the soldiers say they're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, he answers and says to them, I am he. He does not back down. He is not afraid of what's coming. He knows that this is part of the Father's plan. And that they drew back and fell to the ground. Uh, what we're seeing here is a, a clear demonstration, I think, of the power of God in Jesus Christ. Though he was God in human flesh and he, he possessed all the power of God, he chose not to use it. And yet in this instance, I think you can see a bit of the power of Christ, the God in human flesh, in this response as the soldiers are overcome. He doesn't subdue them using his power. He doesn't flee or disappear. But I do think we see his power on display in their overwhelming uh, submission as they fall back at Jesus proclaiming, I am he. Jesus was able to, uh, he would have been able to resist had he chosen to. He could have fled has he, had he chosen to. He could have disappeared. He could have walked through them had he chosen to. He didn't choose to do any of those things. He didn't resist. He didn't walk away. He didn't walk through them. He didn't disappear. With full awareness of what would happen in the hours to come, he says it again. He asks them again. Verse 7, Whom do you seek? And they say it again. Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus has power, and he could have used it, but he doesn't. He is completely voluntary in his actions. So looking at verse 8, we hear it again. Jesus says, I told you that I am he. He says it again. But he adds this. So if you seek me, let these men go. And verse 9 tells us this was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. And I want you to note there, as we look at verse 9, how Jesus wasn't concerned about how he would be treated. He says, I'm, I am he, I'll go with you just as long as you treat me this way. He didn't say that. He was only concerned for his disciples. So not only does he call for their safety, he willingly yields to those who come to take him by force. And he knows this will ultimately lead to his crucifixion. But he also knows something else. He knows that his crucifixion 
will lead to the salvation of all those who are his. All those whom the Father has given him. So look on, if you can, and think of Jesus in all the power that he possessed, willingly giving himself in the face of the one who was his traitor, giving himself to those who came to crucify him. Again, some look on and think Jesus is weak here. Some think Jesus needs help here. We see it in the way Peter responded. Peter thought Jesus needed help. But just when some might think Jesus is weak or needs help, he shows his true power. Look at verse 10 again. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Now, John doesn't show us what Jesus did next, but Luke does. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 22 and verse 51, we're told this, but Jesus said, no more of this, and he touched his ear and healed it. Did Jesus have to do that? Here are these soldiers and his betrayer who've come to take him away. Did he have to perform this healing? No, he didn't. But he shows his power once more. And yet, and yet shows his humility also. Did Jesus need Peter's help? No, he didn't. Uh, and I appreciate what J.C. Ryle writes. Again, J.C. Ryle was a minister who, who ministered faithfully for the Lord in the 1800s. And he writes this, Let us carefully remember that our blessed Lord suffered and died of his own free will. He did not die because he could not help it. He, he has the power to restore this man's ear. He has the power to overwhelm those who are standing there with weapons when he declares, I am he. J.C. Ryle writes, He did not die because he could not help it. He did not suffer because he could not escape. All the soldiers of Pilate's army could not have taken him if he had not been willing to be taken. They could not have hurt a hair of his head if he had not given them permission. But here... As in all his earthly ministry, Jesus was a willing sufferer. He had set his heart on accomplishing our redemption. He loved us and gave himself for us, cheerfully, willingly, gladly, in order to make atonement for our sins. It was the joy set before him which made him endure the cross." And despite the shame, and yielded himself up without reluctance into the hands of his enemies. Jesus goes willingly to the cross. Consider that. It may appear as though he is taken by force, but no amount of force could take him if he was not willing. Jesus says to Peter in verse 11, Here in John's Gospel, put your sword into its sheath. Put that sword away. What are you doing, Peter? 
Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Jesus knows that what's coming is part of the Father's will and plan. And Jesus is willing to suffer, willing to drink the cup the Father had given him. Again, listen to what J.C. Ryle writes as he says about this. Let this thought abide in our hearts and refresh our souls. We have a Savior who is far more willing to save us than we are willing to be saved. If we are not saved, the fault is all our own. Christ is just as willing to, to receive and pardon as he was willing to be taken prisoner, to bleed, and to die. So again, I say, how grateful we ought to be that Jesus was willing, that he voluntarily went to the cross, that he knew what was coming for him was part of the Father's plan. God, in his mercy, sent his Son to die for sinners, and his Son, as God's Word says, and as we heard J.C. Rao point to, for the joy that was set before him, proceeded to the cross to endure the cross, yielded to cruel treatment and the crucifixion that lie ahead so that we might be saved, so that many who have gone before us might be saved. And should the Lord tarry, many more come to the Lord in faith. How grateful we should be that Jesus was willing. In fact, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross is something else too it's a, it's the it's the basis for satan's final defeat this is also why jesus willingly and fully surrendered himself to be crucified here's what the bible says listen to hebrews 2 verses 14 and 15 he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Those who were subject to lifelong slavery, that's believers who were enslaved to sin, but now through Christ have been set free. And the Bible says this in 1 Peter 3 and verse 18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And then in 1 Peter 3 and verse 22, it says of Christ that he has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So the crucifixion of Jesus was not showing him at his weakest. No, his crucifixion was Jesus Christ at his strongest, at his most powerful. And I think this is something that we should remember when we find ourselves gravitating toward fear instead of faith, when we find ourselves acting more like Peter, than we'd like to admit. Jesus willingly suffered. Jesus willingly went to the cross and died. 
And he was not defeated. He was victorious at the cross. On the third day, he rose from the dead and conquered death and hell and sin and Satan. And he is certainly able to bring about God's good purposes in the midst of our own difficulties. We'll keep our eyes on him. God in his mercy saves us by his, uh, the shed blood of his son. We ought to praise God for that. And if he can do that, he can certainly help us with all of our needs in the here and now. And yet we often find ourselves fearful often find ourselves lacking faith, find ourselves failing to trust God's promises, or simply neglecting His Word, which leads us to a weak faith. When we just don't even take in the promises of God to feed our souls. But God intends for us to live by faith. God intends for His children to walk in obedience to His Word with their eyes of faith fixed firmly on the Son. And we have the Lord Jesus Christ example that goes before us to show us the way as He willingly went to the cross, knowing that He was fulfilling the Father's plan for Him as He ministered on earth. Another godly minister who is now with the Lord just a few years ago, Warren Wearsby, faithful minister and Bible commentator, wrote this in his devotional commentary entitled With the Word. And by the way, I highly recommend it. It's a little book, a little thick volume, uh, just brief comments about every chapter of the Bible, which are a real encouragement if you use them with uh, with your Bible reading occasionally. He writes this in his little booklet, or his little book, devotional book, With the Word, Judas depended on the strength of numbers. Peter on the strength of his arm. Anna and Caiaphas on the strength of their position. But Jesus on the strength of love and devotion to the Father. Jesus had a cup in his hand, not a sword. But that cup was his scepter. He was in complete control. On the other hand, Peter fought when he should have yielded and followed when he should have fled. Yielding and fleeing looked like defeat, but they weren't the Father's will. And Peter should have obeyed. While Jesus was giving his witness to the high priest, Peter was denying the Lord. And so Wearsby asks, which was the successful witness? Peter or Jesus? And of course, we know the answer is the witness of the Lord Jesus Christ was the successful witness, was the God-honoring witness. And that's what God calls us to tonight, to take him at his word, to keep our eyes on our Savior, whose witness was powerful on the cross. And may our witness be more like Jesus' witness. May our desires be more like the Savior's to honor the Father with His obedience. May we want to and long to obey our Lord Jesus Christ and obey His Word and glorify God with our lives, with our witness.
May our witness be more like Jesus' witness because we're looking to, to Jesus and looking to the one who conquered sin and death and hell and the grave on the cross. The one who is, as we hear from Hebrews 12 too, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Give God the glory with your life. Thank the Lord for His faithfulness to you and His love shown to you in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God for the Son's willingness to obey the Father and to follow through with the Father's plan for Him and go to the cross and be crucified for sinners. May God encourage our souls, encourage us and strengthen us with His Word that as we go about our days and live as, as God desires us to for His glory, that we might glorify Him with, with His name on our lips, with His joy in our hearts, with His peace in our minds, the peace that passes all understanding as we fix our eyes daily on our Savior who willingly, joyfully, submissively went to the cross for our salvation.